Hello and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. I am so excited to talk with you today about one of my favorite theories in the Enneagram. Before we dive in, I want to talk a bit about theories surrounding the Enneagram in general and why I refer to them as such. Occasionally, I get a comment or a DM that says, I can't believe you entertain the idea of tri-types. And then someone else will say, until you dive into tri-types, you aren't teaching the true Enneagram. It's funny how both of these commenters feel equally entitled to their understanding of the Enneagram and equally perturbed that I don't put a stake in the ground on either. The reality for me is that all of this is theory. All of this is intended for personal use. Therefore, I will entertain all of it, and I will take and work with what makes sense for me and my journey, and I encourage you to do the same. I am very skeptical of anyone who claims to have all of the answers, especially on this particular topic. There are so many different schools of thought that are conflicting, and I enjoy the role of bringing information to you and allowing you to decide for yourself how it fits into your own understanding of you. With that, I want us to explore the work of Sandra Maitre. Now, I'm not 100% sure if that's how we pronounce her name because I've only seen it written, but I do love her work. So we're going to explore the work of Sandra Maitre. She wrote the books Enneagram of Passions and Virtues as well as the Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram. One of the theories she kind of brought to the forefront is the theory of the soul child. The concept here is that we are were, as children, the number that we go to in rest. And that somewhere along the way, we received the message that we couldn't or shouldn't be that way. And so we developed our dominant type pattern as a response. Have you heard of the idea of being true to and honoring your inner child? It's a common concept in the work that we do in self-help land. And the idea that the more grace and permission we give to our inner child, the more healed and true to ourselves we can be as adults. Soul child theory really plays nicely into this. Um, the idea that deep down we are our soul child and we're covering it up with our type pattern kind of plays into that idea really well. What this can look like by type, in my opinion, is at Enneagram 1s, you know, in rest, move to type 7. And so kind of like beneath this very kind of self-controlled, contained type 1 is a little bitty 7 who just wants to explore and play and go after everything they want. But somewhere along the way, they receive the message that there's a proper way to do things. And so they kind of restrain themselves. Then there are Enneagram type 2s who move to 4. Now beneath every, you know, very generous, loving, open, kind type 2 There's a little four who tries in every way possible to express their needs and desires, but never quite felt like they were enough. So they learned to feel like they were enough through serving and loving others. If they served in love, then they'd receive love. And we have our Enneagram threes who move to type six. Our beneath every confident, driven, forward-moving three is a little six who worried about the world not being enough for them and things not working out. They learned along the way that they could find certainty through achievement. If they could just be the best, then their anxieties would go away. Or Enneagram fours who moved to type one, you know, beneath every unrestrained, original, emotionally connected four is a little type one who just wanted to be good, that desired to control themselves and the world around them and seek to be assured that they are doing the right thing. Yet somewhere along the way, they learned that no matter how hard they tried, they'd never be good enough. And if they couldn't be good, they would at least be special and prove to the world through that method that they were meant to be this way. For fives who move to eight, these self-contained, non-assertive, 
kind of hidden in the background type fives. There's inside of them is this vivacious little eight, an unstoppable, highly territorial and aggressive eight who isn't afraid to go after exactly what they want. But somewhere along the way, they learned that it wasn't appropriate to make a fuss or demand what they want. So they learned to internalize and hoard over demanding and taking. Or our sixes who move to nine, you know, underneath every six who's vigilant, insightful, tries to tell the future and see potential risks or problems is this tiny little nine who is relaxed, easygoing, not overly concerned about potential threats. Somewhere along the way, the six learned that it wasn't safe to be so relaxed and they started to keep their eyes out for potential threats and pitfalls as a way to maintain their safety. Or our sevens who moved to five, you know, beneath every charming, engaged, Freedom-seeking seven is a little five who craves time to themselves, time with their thoughts and want space to think and explore internally and not share their resources. But somewhere along the way, they learned that they needed to keep the joy up in order for things to be okay. So they learned that if they keep their minds happy and ignore their pain, they can ensure that their needs get met. Through happiness, they can keep people from prying. Or Enneagram type eights who move to two, these big, bold, powerful eights have a little two inside whose heart is open and gooey and soft. Someone who cares too much about what others think and lacks an intrinsic sense of self-worth. Somewhere along the way, the eight learned that being this soft and open meant getting destroyed or eaten up. So they built a defense and became powerful as a way to make sure they were never controlled. And finally, our Enneagram nines who move to type three. These humble, unassertive, collaborative, merging nines have this little bitty three inside who is ambitious, competitive, and confident, and seeks to lead and gain recognition for their accomplishments. Somewhere along the way, the nine learned that they were better seen and not heard, that their needs caused too much stress to those closest to them, so they started to soften their preferences and quiet their input as a way to ensure they didn't lose the connections that meant the most to them. Now, as a reminder, this is just a theory, and it's honestly my take on a theory at that. So it's like next level theory on a theory. It's not law. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So if you are you are a member of Club Enneagram, let's have a conversation in the DMs about it. If you're not in Club Enneagram, let's have a chat. Club Enneagram is my online community dedicated to all things Enneagram and personal growth. We focus on a different topic each month, and you receive emails from me every week with journaling prompts and ideas to talk through. This month, we're focusing on goals, next month on finances, and so on. We also have a private Instagram community where we can chat in the DMs or in the weekly Q&As I do in stories. Bring you, your thoughts, and your questions to clubenneagram.com. I would love to meet you. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know it's a very brief overview of a complex idea, a really good book, place to start would be to check out Sandra Maitri's work. Until next time, if you liked today's episode, leave a rating review in iTunes. It helps me to get this podcast to more incredible listeners just like you.